you ever stopped to think about yourself and your story? If someone were to write your memoir, what would it say? We all seek some level of authenticity, but have trouble removing the labels and finding our whole story. Welcome to Dropping In with Diane Dewey. In this program, we'll explore diverse stories on identity to help determine what is truly yours. Now, here is your host, Diane Dewey. Welcome to Dropping In, everyone. It's month seven of COVID-19. So much is out of our hands, so we thought we'd bring in a guest, Mighty Pete Lawton of Fire in the Belly, to help us keep motivated and stay focused on what we love and to influence what we can. Good morning. Welcome, Pete. Good morning. Thank you very much for having me on. That's a great introduction, so thank you. Yeah, well, it's great to have you on. I know that you mostly interview others, so now the tables are turned, and we're just so delighted to be able to talk to you this morning. For those of us that don't know, um, I have met Pete before online. It was a true pleasure. But Pete Lawton from uh, England, from the UK, is an entrepreneur, mentor, coach, property investor, and father of three beautiful girls. Pete's background is in project managing and property, but his true passion is the fire in the belly project itself. His mission is to help others find their potential and become the mightiest version of themselves. Pete openly talks about losing both of his parents, suffering periods of depression, business downturn and burnout, and ultimately his years spent not stoking the fire in the belly. In 2017, at 37 years of age, that changed, and he is now on a journey of learning, growing, accepting, and inspiring others. Pete can connect with people and intuitively ask questions to reveal a person's passion and discover how to live their mightiest life, the true power of fire in the belly is the Q&As, questions and actions. So, Pete, my first question to you is questions and actions. That's different than questions and answers. How so? Yeah, thank you for the introduction. Uh, Questions are something, you know, it's the old adage of, I think we all have two ears and one mouth, and, and, you know, I think we need to listen more. So, by asking questions of what's going on around us, and from that, we can make a, an informed decision, but, you know, an answer is not enough. We have to take action in this way, otherwise, you know, we end up just, you know, we're not actually moving forward. So, being able to quiz what's going on and interpret that and, and inter- you know, bring that into our lives and, and moving forward is, is quite key. So, um, it's a little bit of a play on words, but, you know, we can all read the books, we can all talk about it, but... Unless you're, you're doing and living and doing day to day, that's the, that's the key. That's what's going to make all the difference. So it's really integrating the answer. It's not just a hypothetical. It's something that we actually do and act upon. That makes perfect sense to me. You mentioned the word books. That kind of rang a bell for me. Um, I wondered, did you ever think about taking your accumulated knowledge and experience and then these incredible interviews that you do with the most interesting people. Have you ever thought of compiling them into some kind of a audio book or a book format or is this going to be a feature film or 
You know, does Fire in the Belly remain a podcast? How do you see it? Well, it's very interesting you say that because this whole project started out as a potentially as a book. Um, uh-huh. But during that process and, and through a number of uh, sort of uh, interesting events, I discovered that I was properly diagnosed with dyslexia and ADHD. Um, okay. So at that point, I actually got myself a book coach because so, I, I had an intention of writing a book about fire in the belly, but I very quickly realized that I needed the input from other people to be able to, you know, to talk about, you know, why, you know, what's different for other people. Discovering when I had a ADHD and, and dyslexia meant I needed a coach or someone to do that for me. So I had no problems talking. I had no problems of asking questions. But actually getting that onto paper is, is something that's going to be more challenging. So that's, almost where, in a, in, a, in a nutshell, where the whole podcast came about because um, I enjoyed the fact of having a, a really sort of quality conversation with somebody and not, not, just, you know, not just a short conversation, but actually sitting down and giving someone the opportunity to, you know, to talk about their uh, life story and journey in a, in a long form, but that's in a form that comes with no judgment no expectations, and also not disrupting them. So if they can tell their story without, you know, without sort of uh, having to converse with someone else, if they just tell it in, in their language and their story. But as a result, I mean, there's so much information there that actually we wanted to be able to, to you know, not to just put that on the, on the cutting room floor, we wanted to be able to use that, and the podcast was the perfect uh, vehicle for that. Well, and I think what we can do is take the summary of that, and then we can. Yes, the intention is to compile that into a book and, and get it transcribed, which we've already started, and you know, take everyone's passions and, and burning desires and, and putting it forward. You know, what what helped me to unlock my journey, or you to unlock your journey, and, and you know, we put it together, and hopefully that will resonate with people out there as well. So it's yeah, it's definitely that's that's something we want to be doing. Well, I think the word unlock is a great one to use because um, Pete's podcast, Fire in the Belly, these are conversations you might have with a friend across the sofa with your feet up and nowhere to go, nowhere to be. They take between, what, two and three hours, um, the unabridged version. And it's really like um, having a conversation with a friend, that you are such a patient listener. And as you say, listening is a lost art. I wonder if that you think that that's because we, we think we have the answers. Yeah, it's, it's a mixture of things. I mean, you're absolutely, listening is, is key. And fortunately, you know, we're in a, a, sort of a more competitive, faster-paced environment when it's quite often the loudest voice wins. So there's not many people can listen and wait for the answer. They're too busy comparing it to their own lives or to how it could be, you know, they have done something better or something different. So to listen without judgment is, is, uh, is, is something I think is quite key for a lot of people. And it's sadly, it's something we don't always get to do. You know, we don't get a chance to sit down and, and do it. And I would say in a positive way, because 
if it's not framed correctly, you know, people can see it as an opportunity just to have a and learn about something, but that's, that's not constructive or positive. So I think if it can be framed correctly, uh, and I think if we give people the opportunity to, you know, to, to talk it out, but you find it's, it's maybe quite often people I speak to and they've never had this opportunity to do. Um, but we are also just tapping into the subconscious mind because the conscious mind can't speak for that length of time. You know, it can't be a pre-meditated conversation. So when we get to that length of conversation, what happens is you will start to see the signs in the language that people can't hide. You know, when someone says, oh, I, you know, I have to do something, okay, well, that's, that's almost a forced action, whereas someone says, I love to do something. Well, that's something that hits them, you know, and it matches their values and aligns with them. So straight away, they've told me um, what they'd love to do and what they have to do. You know? uh, so I love to hear the likes of that. So quite often it's not what someone's saying. It can be their voice, their tone, their language they're using, the animation they have, the energy behind it. So um, listening is, is not just what someone's saying. It's, it's everything that goes with it, too. So it's trying to tie that all together. And it's something I'm learning more and more as well. I, I love that there's the luxury of time. It's something we don't have, even under the current circumstances where we feel pressed. Um, I think that, you know, I'm glad to hear that the podcast will remain intact and that maybe, yeah, circling back and taking the essences out for a book, that's also attractive. But I think the main thing is, Pete, when you're interviewing, I've listened to a number of your podcasts, it's kind of a less, a, less is more uh, approach where you ask kind of minimal questions, um, again, as you say, without judgment, without expectation, that comes across, and the person's able to, you know, ramble on, which is, or get, get to a point where they're not in their pre-rehearsed answer. Um, so you kind of scrape down through several layers there. Um, and I, I, I wondered, you know, is there a certain approach that you're using, a theoretical approach that, yeah, the unconscious, which is more limbic, you know, not, it's more feeling, um, it's more of an energy level, um, you know, and do you think that by and large people are a bit lonely? I mean, even before the pandemic, just a bit lonely and not often given the opportunity to speak at large, to speak at length. Unfortunately, I think that is the case. We we don't we don't always have the opportunity to sit down in that fashion. I, I don't know whether it's a lost art or or whether it's just human nature has, you know, just life has gotten so busy. Um, you know, I mean, there's an expression I really like called, you know, you want to go deep, not wide. And, you know, it's not necessarily about having 5,000 contacts on on Facebook. It's, you know, but if you had a close and deep relationship with five people, you know, that is actually more meaningful, potentially. So, like a good book, if you can get something that really sort of, it doesn't need to be a thousand pages, it can be, you know, half that size or even less, but yet it's something deep and meaningful. And there's, there's books out there that people read their entire lifetimes, you know, they just read over and over again and they unpack all the layers. And I do think of it as a nation of people, we, we have so many layers and I, I enjoy the 
the language and the, you know, the, the NLP side of it whereby, you know, I can ask somebody what their interpretation of a great day is. Um, some people it may be, you know, eating an ice cream. Somebody else it might be, you know, on their yacht. Somebody else it might be spending time with their kids. And it's, you know, if we don't actually take time to ask the question of what that means to them, we unintentionally, or maybe intentionally, add our views and our beliefs onto that. And everyone's belief is, is, you know, it's made up of their lifetimes of experience, you know, how our upbringing was, what our parents did, what our school friends did, what our, you know, the way we were educated, the way we were taught, our views on money, life, education, experience. Yes. So it's impossible to do that unless you ask the person, you know, what, you know, tell me what you see, what do you mean by that? when someone makes a question. So um, I think the only way to do is saying, well, what's your interpretation of this? And then we can actually say, if I've understood you correctly, then this is the action and this is what we could do because that will mean something to you. So right. that's my view on it. It leads from what's resonant. So go deep, not wide. I, I really appreciate that. Um, Pete, we're going to take a short break here. We're going to come back and talk about the different elements and how you weigh them in, education, background, and um, what they all mean. When we come back, we'll be with Pete Launton of Fire in the Belly and how do we keep that fire going. Don't go away. We'll be right back on Dropping In. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Books Forward exemplifies excellence in book marketing and promotion, representing New York Times bestsellers, national award-winning books, and books that catch fire on social media and in the digital realm. Books Forward creates ambitious campaigns with unlimited possibilities for sparking buzz while creatively cutting through the noise. Your book deserves to launch with experts who have set the bar in the industry. To learn more, visit booksforward.com or send us an email at info at booksforward.com. A JKS Communications Company. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Dropping In with Diane Dewey. We'd love to hear from you if you have a question or comment about the show. Send us an email to ddewey at truenordmedia.com. That's the letter D, dewey at trunordmedia.com. Now, back to Dropping In. 
Welcome back, everyone. We're here with Mighty Pete Longton of Fire in the Belly, one of the best-named podcasts and actually one of the most inter- interesting podcasts around. It's uh, an opportunity for people to speak at length and in depth and about what their passions are, what stirs them, and how to prolong that with Pete's help. So, Mighty Pete, this is to me a very inspirational title right there. How did you come up with it, this idea of being mighty? When we look at ourselves and we project ourselves, um, as with setting goals out there, it's very important that you know we set a clear vision for ourselves in the future. And mighty is a, it's a, a, thing, a theme that's been with me my entire life. And eventually, like anything, if you want to become something, well, you should start to actually, you know, become part of it. And ultimately, you know, it's a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but at the same time, it reminds me every day that, you know, I want to be the mightiest version of me. I'm not saying I'm necessarily I'm the mightiest person, but it's a reminder. It's like a sticky note that sits on my, you know, on my, my branding every day that reminds me to try try harder and push further every day. So it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a useful moniker, put it that way. I like it a lot. It suggests, you know, taking a deep breath and just kind of putting your best foot forward. I think that um, your mission of creating the mightiest life for people, that, that sounds like it just, you know, it draws on people's strengths. And, you know, you've had um, a series of, of setbacks. You're quite candid about it in your, in your biography. Um, and, and I wondered if you could speak to that a bit about resilience and coming back. You've done it yourself. Um, how does that work for you? Sure. Well, I, I sort of, you know, and you sort of start out 37 and a half years of being what I would call average. And that's, you know, my average is I, I've done well for myself and I've worked extremely hard. But I didn't necessarily know who I was. And, you know, because as humans and as people, we're always taken on by the people around us and their values and beliefs. So, I got to 37 and a half years and through a mixture of losing a business and losing a parent and things like that, I eventually got to what you'd maybe say is, is, the, is the lowest point in my life. And it, but it was the lowest or the hardest time of my life. But what's quite almost refreshing or groundbreaking at that time is that it allows you, it, it strips back all the noise and layers. And what I have found, and even from speaking to other people, is at that lowest point, actually the seed is sown for what becomes and what, what the true values are, your true meanings and wants and expressions. So it, it can be your lowest point can actually trigger your highest point, which I found quite interesting. And that's similar to what happened for me. My, at 37 and a half, I, I could almost point out the trajectory in my life and said, theoretically or on average, I've got to nearly the midpoint of my life. And if I continued to where I was, I knew roughly where I was going to end up. So by saying, right, well, I know where my future's at. So how about saying yes to everything or trying new things or moving, you know, and, and living the mightiest version and, and keep going? You know, curiosity said to me was, where could I end up? And that's really the principle I've taken on since then. So it's been a bit of a journey and, and it's been great fun, you know, really stretching myself. I like the idea of following your curiosity and also the idea of 
pushing yourself because, you know, there is a predictable trajectory. And right now we're also experiencing maybe it's a low grade kind of depression, a place where people are, again, stripped away of many of the things they need and want. Um, We've limited contact with one another. And is it a time when people can try to carve out a vision of themselves that maybe we do take more risks? Maybe we do take a step forward that we wouldn't have ordinarily. Do you see that kind of moment that we're in in time? Absolutely. And, and it's, it's hard to say it out loud and, you know, without potentially being taken wrong. But, you know, bar the people who are you know, suffering directly at the hands of COVID, COVID, I believe, is actually the biggest opportunity in, I will say, in, in all our lifetimes. You know, it's been an opportunity for the whole world to more or less stop, you know, for people to realize what is essential, what is nice, what do they really need, you know, do they really love their job, what they're doing, their life, their partners, do they feel good, do they, you know, what is the fears have come in once this all happened and what was really, you know, what's it all about? So it's been an opportunity to hit a massive reset button and for those that choose, and, and you can choose how to look at COVID, you can look at it as a pandemic and the biggest disaster of, you know, the century or multiple centuries, or you can say, well, gosh, isn't it great that I had a chance to, you know, sit back and just take breath for a second and, and value, reevaluate my life. So I personally see it as the latter, really. Yes, and reevaluate and maybe value your life. You know, I love this question of, do I love my life? It goes along mm-hmm. with, you know, do I love who I am being? Um, and, you know, we, we can reset now. I know that when we spoke in my interview, we're talking with Pete Lanton, who has a podcast called Fire in the Belly. You're a property uh, investor and property manager who's taken a kind of a wide detour, um, but not really, because it's about, as you say, values. Sometimes values just stick to us because they, we ask most of them from others unintentionally. But to live intentionally is to choose and select those values. To me, I remember you said very directly that at a certain point I was describing a chapter of my life before I knew um, a lot about my biological family. Um, and you said your voids were your values. I thought that was so profound and interesting. In other words, it's almost like what Jung says, you know, what you don't hold up to your consciousness and examine is going to run you. It's going to run your life. So you have to take stock and and say, wait a minute, is this or is this not my value? And, um, you know, if you're running constantly, if you're running from fear of failure, fear of, of abandonment, any of the list that we've got going, um, it is a great time to take stock, draw a breath and say, is that a valid reason any longer for me to run the way I did? Um, in, you, you've lost your parents quite young, Pete. This sounds, I mean, you're only, you know, you're young now. Um, and when you talk about your business downturn and burnout, it sounds as though these did go kind of hand in hand. Yet burnout is a very little understood thing, I think, here, especially in the States where we're go, go, go getters. 
And I find in Europe, there's often people in conversation will say, well, I've just had a burnout. I've gone to a clinic. I've been, I've been away for three weeks. And I wonder if you thought that there was cultural differences in accepting the idea that sometimes we're not in top form. Absolutely. Uh, I think for me, any time, you know, when you speak to someone and, and the, my favorite question that I like to ask people is, is that, you know, do you like yourself and do you love yourself? And whilst that can sound like a little bit of vanity, it's very telling as to where they're at in terms of their own acceptance, in terms of their own alignment. You know, do they feel that they are where they're supposed to be? Do they feel that, you know, because a lot of us are living the life that our parents expect or it could be something that we're good at naturally. But just because you're good at something doesn't mean that's your passion. And that can right. be quite confusing. I'm good at property. I'm good at investing. Is it my passion? Well, actually, no, it's not. It's a vehicle for me. It's a, a, you know, it's a pension. It's an investment fund. On that side, you know, do I want to be doing it all the time? And is it something I will you know, spend my entire lifetime doing? Well, not, not essentially. I would, you know, I get much more joy out of speaking to people. Mm-hmm. So it's understanding your different, you know, your, your voids being your values, but also making sure that the foundation you build your life upon, that it is a solid foundation. You know, quite often we have brought through values from our childhood. It may be that something has happened or, you know, we're trying to please our parents or we're afraid of something happening with some sort of trauma. So we, we automatically build in a, a self-defense mechanism or we decide that I never want that to happen again. So all our beliefs are built upon that. So, you know, it's very common, I think, when people have a lack of something or a fear of something as a, as a child, when they get older, they almost potentially overcompensate to be able to have definitely never have that again in their adult life. But the question is, is that what they really want or are they just trying to make sure that event that happened before, that self-defense mechanism, will never happen again. So, right, Pro- protection, and, and, and then obviously not taking risks, um, not stepping outside of the line. And I, I actually love the real estate metaphor. You talk about foundational, um, you know, what we're standing on, and there again, value. You know, it's, I think there's some sort of tangential relationship, the value of something and understanding, you know, these, you can dissect and break down your, what you're choosing choosing to do and apply almost real estate terms to it. You know, does it have more resale value than it does, you know, to keep it and, and invest in it long term? Or, you know, it's, it's interesting. It's just a, I just think it's a funny kind of aside. But you touched on perhaps the most important message, which is, do you love yourself? Okay, that's a hard one. Sometimes it's... Um, you know, do I respect myself? Do I believe I'm operating the best I can at a given time? Do I say I'm at my maximum current potential? How do you define it when you ask someone, do you love yourself? I, I like to keep the question open on purpose um, because people will answer it the way they are in their own minds. And I tend to find people who have you know, have gone through, you know, all the highs and lows in their life and they're actually in a place where they want to be, 
typically I find they're the people who have accepted themselves for you know their their strengths but their weaknesses and but they've appreciated that they are who they are they can't be everything and that's okay um I tend to then find that people who are more critical of themselves and they have a an inner voice and and that side really can struggle with that question so for some people it can be very emotional when they actually try and answer the question um and I find that seems to be a common thread that those that can answer it clearly and definitely or you know have taken much more time to find themselves and they're much more clear in their values their beliefs their wants their needs their expectations um so that's been a common thread so it's it's, it's interesting there is no clear answer i don't think and the uh, you know the, the question is is what will define who you are and what you are in my opinion Well, I like that you pointed out about alignment because there is a deep satisfaction in knowing that you're actually doing what you love, that everything that you're doing and touch matters to you and matters in a deep, you know, way. And as you say, yes, you can have a hierarchy, what you do day to day sustains what you're doing as a passion. Um, But I'm assuming that you're then also helping people identify their passions is is that that's also what comes out in your conversations, right? Absolutely, and, and ultimately, I think especially there's a there's a very strong reason for having such almost a, a long podcast and a long interview. That you know, the first bit being the conscious discussion, the second bit being where you're almost transferring, and after a while, in any conversation, and it can be induced by alcohol or it can be going through, but actually. We, we get to the stage where the conscious mind can't censor the discussion enough that actually after a while the subconscious mind starts to actually get a voice, which doesn't typically tend to happen because of social media or people being in fear of being judged. But when you let people actually speak and and they get that all out, well, suddenly they start to use the language, they start to find out what they really want to do. Um, it's amazing the energy level they will attach to it. I mean, the best way I've ever found to describe it, it's a bit like buying a new car or a new Tesla or whatever it is. And, you know, if we think of ourselves as an amazing human being with, with potential, however, if we leave the handbrake on or we, you know, we, we drive around with flat tires, the car is the car, the potential is there. However, all the external influences preventing us from being what we, we want to be. So if we can find out what is holding us back, if we can find out and be doing exactly what we love to do, well, suddenly then we will, it doesn't matter about money or energy or anything else. If you're passionate, you will move heaven and earth to make something happen. You'll try harder, you'll work more, you'll speak to all the extra people, you'll, you'll make the extra effort and suddenly it becomes effortless because you're in alignment with what you really want to do. You're in a flow, right? You're you're in you've found your voice and you're beyond presentation. As you mentioned, social media is nothing but presentation, right? It's what we consciously put out there. So it's kind of the opposite of where you're going, which is to unspool um, from from the unconscious and tap into that. So, so maybe a person who comes out of your interview, which I found to be the case for myself, can drop into that point where they started to speak 
where we started to speak unconsciously, kind of just riffing on what it is that really means something to us and just tap back into that. I mean, obviously, we can't be in that gear all the time, but um, you've afforded the opportunity for that. And that's the wonderful thing. I, I just commend you for it. I think the fire in the belly... Um, I, you know, I wonder how you tripped over it in the first instance. You were speaking with someone and you, you had a great spark and then you suddenly said, wait a minute, this is it? Or how did it happen? Well, it's, it's, it's interesting. And like I say, I had reached that point of 37 and a half years in my life. And like I say, we had just closed a business. Um, you know, I'd laid off a number of staff. Um, I had a, a young child at the time, or actually I had, had, had several uh, young children. And I was looking at some of the, you know, this is the mentors and, and people that I respected around me and, and sort of well-known characters. And I was scratching my head saying, how is it that we all have a 24-hour day? You know, I literally, the stress was through the roof at that time. You know, like it was the back end of depression, we just lost a business. And, you know, I was tired, really tired. And yet some people who have done exceptionally well have time. You know, you take the likes of Sir Richard Branson, who's you know, spending part of his day kite surfing around his island, you know, mm-hmm. hundreds of companies. You take any number of, you know, very influential people. And you start saying, there's something wrong with my formula, that I can't work any more in one day. And yet I'm not experiencing the same thing that they are. So at that point, I, I started to you know, question and think, well, what, what makes one person stand up and want to take life and run and go crazy, you know? And yet somebody else doesn't want to. They just want to sit down and take it easy. And part of me saying, well, what, what's the difference? And, you know, is it, is it gut feeling? You know, is it, you know, when someone knows what they want to do, they're passionate. Because the old saying of, if, you know, if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. And that's a, that's a really interesting expression in itself. Right. But at that point, I was thinking about gut feeling and, you know, emotional intelligence and, you know, how I can work harder, not, you know, work smarter, not harder, and, and all these things. And I just find that I kept coming back, and I just thought it was a, it was a great little saying that's quite common. And even uh, when you meet somebody in your life that is, you know, could be heavily set with depression or they've had a really, really hard time in their life, well, I believe from the moment we're born, you know, we have a fire in our belly. Now, that could be a very, very small little flame. Or you meet somebody else who is, they love what they do, they're passionate, and you can, their energy is just, it flows off them and around them. But yet we all have that flame. So it's interesting to see why do some people really cherish life and want to live every day to the fullest, and other people just don't. And I was curious to know what the difference was and fire in the belly was sort of brought about for me from a low point in my life and, and you might call it a midlife crisis. You know, it's, for me it was like a midlife opportunity to, to pivot and to change and, and that's where it all came about. So it was a low point in my life but it's, it's what I now believe is what I was supposed to be doing. This is, this is the true me. Well, 
It certainly seems that way, Pete, because it flows off you quite naturally. And I think your communication skills and being able to elicit from people, that's a gift. It's partly because you are a deep listener. It's partly because you give people time and space. And these are qualities that we're in shortage of these days. Um, we have a couple minutes left. I, I love also the idea of turning off the inner critic, turning off that voice that says, oh, no, that's, that's not good. Um, you know, that's not going to work. If you're just playing and you're really enjoying, you know, that's, that's not work. That's not life work. Truth of the matter is, maybe it does feel like play. Maybe it feels more like play than it does like work. And I, I also wondered, you know, because I remember you asking me, and I hear it in your interviews, you ask people, what was the significance of your education? How did you do at education? Um, and I wondered with the minute that we have remaining, can you weigh in as an entrepreneur? Um, is education a thing that we should be thinking about? As Unless you do well at it, you're not going to do well at life. Is that the message that we should really be absorbing? It may be a bit controversial, but I, I actually don't think education means anything. I think it's a it's a skill or a method to take take on, you know, uh, an ability to learn a new trade. When you find out something that you're passionate about, I think you will learn faster, quicker, more than you will ever do in your entire life. But it has to be that you are doing what you love to do. And when you find that, it's easy. That's the difference. Okay, well... You heard it here. I mean, it's an endorsement. It's a kind of granting permission for people to really follow themselves, follow that what intuitively connects them. And maybe it's not the structure of education. Maybe it's not what society says. Um, you know, you've just pointed out a great entrepreneur in Sir Richard Branson. You yourself are a successful entrepreneur again. And I really think that we're going to look forward to when we come back from the break, hear from more from you about what it takes and what you think are the important ingredients in keeping the fire in the belly. We're here with Pete Lawton. Don't, don't go away. We'll be back on Dropping In. America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. She Writes Press is an independent publishing company founded for women writers everywhere. Together with sister company Spark Press, serving men and women, it is both mission-driven and community-oriented. The aim is to serve writers who wish to maintain greater ownership and control of their projects while getting the highest quality editorial help possible, traditional distribution, and an in-house marketing and publicity team. In 2019, She Writes Press was named Indie Publisher of the Year. You can find out more on SheWritesPress.com. Planning for college? 
Tune in to Getting In, a college coach conversation for tips, techniques, and insider perspectives. Hosted by Elizabeth Heaton, a former admissions officer at the University of Pennsylvania and featuring her fellow admissions and college finance experts from Bright Horizons College Coach. The show shares what colleges are really looking for and how to highlight your hard-won achievements for the best chance at success. New episodes air every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Dropping In with Diane Dewey. We'd love to hear from you if you have a question or comment about the show. Send us an email to ddewey at truenordmedia.com. That's the letter D, dewey at trunordmedia.com. Now, back to Dropping In. Welcome back, everyone. We're here with Mighty Pete Longton of the UK. He has a podcast called Fire in the Belly. It's all about determining and ascertaining who you are, what makes you tick, and how to keep it alive. Thank you, Pete, for before the break, allowing people to understand that maybe education isn't everything. Maybe there are other forms of wisdom that we should be tending to. Uh, And I especially appreciate it coming from your perspective as someone who learned when you set out to write a book that you actually suffered from dyslexia and ADHD. Um, This is a very common affliction, and I think people will take heart in the fact that, you know, here you are, successful at what you do, you're in property investing and management. How does a person with ADHD start to form the idea of a podcast that's open-ended, non-judgmental, and lasts between, say, two and three hours? It's It's a very good question, Dan. I... For me, the challenge is to try and understand um, where the person is coming from. So, like anything, you know, we all paint a picture in our heads of what's going on and what's happening. So, I need them to understand and to be able to put detail on that. And so, the more you can understand and, and stopping, you know, our egos are there to you know, present our versions in our life, but if you can sort of sit that down long enough and understand what somebody is saying, well then suddenly you can you can take a bird's eye view if you like. You can take a you know, it's like watching a, a film in the cinema, you get to take a slightly different viewpoint and then as a result you can actually then start to connect the dots of what certain patterns people have gone through their lifetime. But the expression of the eye can't see itself. And it's true when somebody's sitting in, you know, watching somebody else's story, you kind of go, well, this, this is not really obvious what's, what's going on here. And because the person is living and breathing their own life every day, they haven't actually realized the pattern or what's going on. So it's, it's really refreshing to be able to see that. And that's why I enjoy listening. That's so great, being able to point out the patterns, because my next question is, you know, how well do we know ourselves I, I really, even when I went back and listened, um, for those of you who haven't tuned in, Fire in the Belly is one of the most interesting podcasts around. People from 
all different um, careers, perspectives, venues, paths are weighing in and having a conversation with Mighty Pete, who's really trying to sort of get at the core. And I know that even in my interview, I recalled saying something that I had thought of ahead of time, the pre-planned answer. And so this is the kiss of death, right, Mighty Pete? I mean, you, you, you've got to get beyond what it is you think you're trying to say. And you picked out the salient points, the, the points that made the pattern. One of the questions you ask people is, who were you at, say, 7, um, 22? And I mean, are those random numbers? Are these points in time that you felt were important in your own life or that you came to learn more important in your coaching education? What, um, what's the source for that? Yeah, well, in, in the coaching in the NLP world, you know, by the age of seven, that's essentially often seen as that's that's the point when you, you almost are, you know, you've grown up and, and where things, you take everything as, uh, you know, truth and, and, you know, what's going on. But after that age, typically then we start to add in different layers of beliefs and expectations. So seven is seen as almost our raw age when we are, just exactly who we are. You know, we're not a makeup of anything else. So after that age, and you know, when we see what, what people are doing at that age, that is quite often a very good indication of what's coming thereafter because, you know, after that we're trying to please people or we're trying to preserve our environment or everything's going on around us. So but true. the time teenage years are always hard years, but then into our twenties when someone says, Well what do you want to do with your life? We have made a decision, and the question is, why did we make that decision? Was it just what all our friends were doing and what we wanted to do? And then later on in life, we tend to find that people have gotten to a stage where they don't care what other people think about them. You know, they've they realized that they can only satisfy themselves, and they get to the point of saying, you know, I think it's no coincidence that, you know, call it a midlife crisis, call it an opportunity, call it, you know, there's so many successful businesses, and people get to that you know, 40 plus or 37 and a half plus age in their life and saying, well, this is my life and it's too valuable to waste. And, you know, I really want to do what I want to do. And, and it's hard enough so that that's when they make a conscious decision. So there are different stages and I think we have to strip back the layers of other people's expectations and wants to, to find out, you know, what our natural vibration is, who we really are and what we really want to do and, and not please anyone else. Our natural vibration. So if we took the bird's eye view, Pete, when you were seven. See, this is so exciting for me that I get to ask this question. I mean, it's such an honor to have you on the show, but also to drop in with you about this. If we were to look at the seven-year-old Pete, what would we see? Well, I think you would meet a very curious um, boy who was, you know, enjoyed looking at how things worked. Um, I was reasonably shy, but I also I enjoyed this time with myself, but I, I really enjoyed seeing how things worked and, and what was going on. So I was, I was very clear in what I wanted and you know I was very self-contained. So that's kind of who I was, which I don't know if that's the same as who I am now, but um, the silence in my own head, and this is where I think a lot of people, is actually giving your inner... You know, you're in a voice a chance to 
you know, really come out. And I know my inner voice, you know, and the same as it was as a child, it doesn't shout, it's really quiet, and it doesn't repeat itself. So if I'm making noise and there's too much going on, I don't hear what I really think myself. And as a child, I think I had I had the opportunity to listen more, and I just did what I wanted to do. So that's the difference for me, but that, that was me at seven. Well, it it does sound like it's replicating in just really the loveliest way because you you've balanced the the need to tune out noise and to focus in depth. I think you know it sounds like the conversations you have on fire in the belly go deep rather than wide, right? And and to also try to figure out how things work. That seems as though it could be a corollary, maybe. I don't know, to um, your real estate work and how markets work and what goes in and what comes out. You know, I mean, there's a way in which you you do make an extension of yourself um, from that early childhood when you really didn't give a hoot about, you know, you didn't have the concept of what other people really expected of you because you're lucky enough to not have any expectations placed on you then. Um, what what a lovely time that is. I, I do think, you know, you, you also kind of allude to the idea that talking, you know, talking is a form of therapy, right? I mean, people, in order to speak, you have to put your ideas in some sort of linear fashion, right? Linear, um, you have to set words up into a sentence, for example. We're all kind of suffering from apprehensions now. And, you know, what's the, what's the cure? What's the sort of, I mean, what's the role of communication in getting through what we're going through? How also do people, um, you know, second part of the question, how do people reach you as a coach? And do you even talk to people from all around the world or are you mostly based in the UK? Just give us a little snapshot of, of, of that and the role of the communication and how far and wide it goes. I think communication is, for me, is everything. And our the complexity and abilities of our brains, I mean, it just, and our minds and our souls and all the things that go on in our lives. I mean, to me, it's, it's just, it's astounding. And, and communication is, that's the way that, you know, we can actually almost make, make sense of it or we can try and help somebody else to understand what we're seeing. And when you actually, you know, sometimes it just takes an extra, external view to be able to do that. So, if you can provide that environment and let people sort of explain their view of the world or, you know, what they really think or their values or, you know, what their expectations were, that is so key. And, and I think, you know, we, we all need to have the chance to do that. Too. Sometimes it's just, you know, people say, you know, I need to talk it out or, you know, and, you know, they, we enjoy sort of expressing ourselves with friends because suddenly it's giving us a chance to air those views and opinions and, and hear them. So not only do we think in our minds, they come out of our mouths, we can hear that on our own ears, we can judge how somebody else will react to that. And it's just, a, you know, we're, we're too busy being in, in intake mode with social media and with, with everything else that's going on around us that we're actually not taking in our own voice. We're too busy being bombarded. So communication is absolutely key. And um, we haven't always had a chance to do that. So it is, you know, call it counseling, call it communication, call it, you know, conversing with other people. Um, 
how it doesn't really matter, but it gives us a chance to view our own world. So, yes, I do. I speak to people all around the world. And in, you know, I've, I'm looking to set a challenge and saying within two hours, I believe we can find anyone's true fire in their belly that will literally set them off on a path for the rest of their life. And it's what they truly want to do. And from that point on, it will change them. I mean, in a very short time, we're responsible for a lot of new podcasts, for people setting up new businesses and all the rest. And that's always a byproduct of what I was trying to do. We become more than the sum of our parts, right? In conversation and communication, it's almost like an alchemy. And thank goodness for the technology that, you know, you are accessible. Pete Lawton is on Facebook at Mighty Pete Lawton. So it's P-E-T-E-L-O-N-T-O-N, Mighty Pete Lawton. And on Twitter, too, Pete Lawton. Instagram, Mighty Pete Lawton. And the website is fireinthebelly.net. I love the whole idea of tending to this fire within us, this flame that you actually maintain is something we're born with. I wondered if when you're listening to your podcasts, you take in the reflection of yourself as well. Because I tell you what, I learned so much hearing, um, it sounds kind of crazy or narcissistic, but I learned so much hearing myself and where the points are that I'm connecting, where I'm disconnecting. What do you say to that? Do you, Pete Lawton, also take your own advice in that and and learn as you grow and grow from hearing yourself. I do, and I, I really enjoy because I think we all get inspiration and a chance to hear our own voice. But when you hear it in an interview, and certainly more of an in-depth interview, that's when you sort of, you almost don't recognize your own voice because it's, it's your lost form. You know, for me, I always always get the, my voice of guidance comes to me when I'm, I'm out for a walk or in the shower. It's, it's amazing. Um, so when you hear yourself back, it's suddenly, it's a reflection. And it's like going, I recognize this story, but I, I haven't written the words I've attached to it and what it is. So it's, I don't think it's narcissistic at all. I think it's, it's so familiar to us. But when we, when we hear our own language, it's quite exciting. And, you know, we're talking with passion about something. And it's great. I think that's exactly what it's for, to give people a chance to, to listen and to hear their own voice and, you know, we, we do need to actually take time and say, how do I feel about something? And you know, rather than, again, just trying to appear to other people. So, again, listening to ourselves is very key, too. I love it. It's a mirror. I mean, when you're trying to learn how to do anything, hit a golf ball, you know, get to, to learn to ski, you look at yourself in a mirror. A coach will put the mirror up. And this is such a unique opportunity to use technology to hear ourselves and as you say, discover what we're actually thinking and feeling. What a great um, time that we've had together with you today, Mighty Pete Lawton. And I, I wish that there was two more hours, but actually there's only one minute. Is there anything you'd like to add that we haven't said? And, and then we'll just thank you so much for being here. Um, until next week, hope that our all our listening audience stays passionate and safe. Thanks to Matt Widener and our engineer, Robert Cialino, our producer at Voice America. And thank you for listening. Pete, give us the words. Keep the fire in the belly. Is that it? We've all got the fire in the belly inside us. The ignition's already there. The choice is what we're going to do about it. Thank you so much. We'll take your words forward with us.
Thanks, Pete Lawton, for being with us. Bye for now, and be well, everyone. Thank you so much for dropping in. Please join Diane Dewey again next Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you then.